0: masculinity nice. that i could like clap louder um yeah it's a way to attract um women i've been told by joe rogan
1: yeah oh oh really yeah they the like rogan method clapping. is just to walk into a room and start clapping as loud as you can
0: yeah and then um <laughs> take some new tropics
2: and tell yeah. about it yeah explain all explain them in detail <laughs> i i do like that joe rogan is whatever you want it to be like i guess you people think it's a pickup artist show <laughs> like it, it really can be whatever you th- don't like
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all those things you'll meet
0: like plenty of reasonable people who listen to him and they'll be like i don't agree with like everything there's a lot of stuff i think he's really dumb about is what people will say but it's interesting to prod them about like which of those things sometimes it's like oh i hate when he's alex jones on sometimes it's like i hate that he's an anti-vaxxer and sometimes it's like uh i wish he was more right-wing and into nazis i don't know
1: yeah, it's. I still, I still think that I forget who it was, but whoever said that the Alec that, that uh, Joe Rogan's thing is just like, imagine like a fantasy caveman who live like a barbarian who lives in a cave, and occasionally various wizards and tradesmen go through his valley, and he approaches them and asks them what their world is like, and everything they tell him is like the most incredible new thing he's never heard of or imagined before. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah, and that's what house but, but but important second point to that, Lux, that, I, that, that it wasn't on that tweet. How can you be mad at that guy? That's the most important second point that everyone <laughs> online is missing right now. In all the things that are going on, how can you be mad at that caveman? Well, I think at this point, like enough people have been like, stop doing this.
1: Someone <laughs> gave
0: the caveman hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> and I was like, hey, yeah. "This wizard you're talking to really hates Jews. You should you should not <laughs> introduce him to your other like friends. It's just not it's not cool. You got to stop doing that."
1: Yeah, yeah. When he mm-hmm. ha- when he
2: has the great sorcerer Jordanius Peterson on, listen uh, the 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 one everyone's talking about the problem. No one's talking about the solution. You can't just kill the caveman. You have to give them a better caveman. <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to Game Boys.
1: That's true. Welcome to Game Boys, a podcast about video games. My name is Lux and I'm one of your hosts.
2: Oh, uh, and I'm. uh, uh Fuck. <laughs> you, I'm. It's your name. <laughs> okay. I'm Griffin. Yeah. Sorry. Ooh, yeah. I, was, I was like, I'm Joe Rogan. Yeah. No, you were Roganing
1: out for a second. But also, was, you've already heard him. We're back to having guests sometimes. And this one is a great one. My former boss, current friend. It's Alec Opperman back on the show. Uh,
0: former, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it's great to be here on Buff Boys, the podcast about being buff and a boy.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. this shows about being physically strong, fitness, a thing I'm yes. known to be.
2: Oh, um, that's why you're always out of breath.
1: Yeah, it's I. It's because I'm working out all the time.
2: It's not because I smoke thirty cigarettes every day and get winded when I go to the bathroom. Um. Alec, we were talking before we recorded. You're, you're looking great since we last saw you. Lux says you look the same. I say you're looking even better. No, it's like the same basic look, but it's done better. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. you yeah, all it's f-
0: look phenomenal, especially, you know, the camera you have, Griffin. It's just the
1: focus.
2: Yeah. yeah. Do you know that? Do you know that Lux's camera is more expensive than mine, but he smears shit all over it.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> No, my camera that's more expensive than yours is in a bag next to me. It's not plugged into anything.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and it is also covered in shit, but you just, that's the only thing you can see right now. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm talking from a a canted side angle. You know, I'm not looking directly at you, and I feel it's like, covered. you know, people find that more, more approachable. I don't know. Like, what it do is, you think about this? It huh? is
1: actually pretty cool that Alec is looking frame right, you're looking frame left, and I'm looking down the barrel,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Uh, it creates a good composition, a real uh, sort of Wes anderson situation. Well,
2: now that we got all that out of the way, what's going on?
1: Yeah. How you been, bud? What have you been up to? Last time well, I saw you, you were uh, not being my boss anymore and going away.
0: <laughs> I, I went away. And recently, I've been unemployed and playing a lot of Pokemon, which I believe, I think that's what we're here to talk about, but... A lot of pokemon a lot of back for blood
2: Ooh. yeah that's what you quit your job to go do
0: yeah, no i did not i, I quit my job <laughs> to uh take a road trip to a bunch of national parks like over 20 of them and national monuments and other cool stuff and go hiking every day which i did it was great um i highly recommend to anyone listening to this podcast quit your job if you have the means to even if you don't have the means to i don't know uh organ selling is a thing there, there there's ways
2: just don't it. sell your organs, sell other people's organs yeah. is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be hard to go on a hike after you sell a few organs.
0: I mean, hiking in your second kidney. I don't know. I don't think you really need it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've heard of the second kidney. Fake. If you lose the
2: second kidney, do you get drunker?
0: I don't know, but I just have the thought, you know, hikers are obsessed with, like, their their base weight of, like, how much stuff they're carrying. Like, you want to get under 10 pounds or something. Right. That's how you 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 start shaving stuff off. If you lose a a kidney, it's basically, like, saving, I don't know how much a kidney weighs, half a pound off your base weight. Yeah,
2: it's like eight ounces of rice you can carry or whatever. (laughs) You should get, Uh, like, you should sculpt parts of your ass off, you know?
0: Yeah, Just really.
2: Just take, to shave parts everywhere, you know.
0: Yeah, you yeah. could like replace your limbs with like titanium alloys or something. It'd be really cool. Yeah,
1: that's sort of the thing people talk about enough is the sort of transhuman bent of a camp of wilderness camping.
0: Yeah, people <laughs> are talking about transhumanism as like this incredibly empowering, like democratic, futuristic utopia thing, and really it's just going to be a way for uh, people with too much money to spend to like shave an extra two pounds off of their base weight while they're hiking.
2: Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm not into hiking, you know, because I'm a big car guy. Uh <laughs> I just watched the trailer to Gran Turismo uh seven. And uh I just realized I'm a car guy. Yeah, Griffin picks oh, up no. an Andre Gross essay
1: about cars and cities and yells at it every morning.
2: Yeah, that that's that essay's in the game.
1: It's crazy. Uh it's <laughs> it just like read to, to, to you. It's weird to over the that. track. It's weird to have an essay that's like the car is a vehicle of capitalist exploitation and societal
2: control in a game where all you do is drive a car in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that, it's that essay, but also the Tokyo drift song is mixed underneath it really well too. It's, 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 it's a vibe. Um, but <laughs> it's like when I Alan know, Watts reads to you in a <laughs> fucking, what is that? stupid yeah. Fucking puzzle game. The witness. It's the witness. Yeah. Yeah. It's the witness for cars. Um, <laughs> I never been into a car game, but I, 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 I except for like, crazy taxi and cruising all those USA? kind of like arcade ones cruising ESA. uh i mean there was also one where you would ju- it was it was like more realistic and it would be at more like divey bars there was a bar that my my dad would take me to as a kid i played that game that was a good one too um but man this game looks great it Look, i just i want to devolve i want to crawl back into the ocean i want to just play this car game only now everything's too complicated well, so many titles coming out I want, I want it all to simplify Well, one day we're all gonna be crabs and car, car games are one of the only games crabs can really play alec do you do you ever do you ever get into a new car game is that something you could do
0: not recently i mean when i had a playstation 2 when playstation 2 is a thing i think there was a car game but i can't remember the name of it but you got to like pick new tires for it and stuff and that was pretty cool
2: yeah yeah It was probably like Gran Turismo 2 or something like that. Uh,
0: Mario Kart uh, or Crash Bandicoot Racing. uh, Yeah, CTR. You get to customize your car. It's really for gearheads more so than just the casual car sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Crash Team Racing is the official car game of any true gearhead. I think that we can all agree on that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm
2: yeah Uh, I agree Um, but yeah so that's 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 what's on my mind is there anything else that you guys need to get off your chest before we talk about uh, Pokemon I want to get into it I got
1: nothing on my mind head empty no thoughts
2: all right let's
1: let's roll (laughs) the the (laughs) classic Pokemon sound of a shotgun cocking that
0: you hear
2: every time you boot up the game
0: I'm sorry did you guys see someone is like making a game where you shoot Pokemon
2: oh Uh, yeah they keep trying to take it down it's made
0: it's made. Like, where can I download it?
2: Uh, Well, they keep trying to take it down. And I'm like, the, if it's not immediately available, I give up. Mm. Wait, is so that the one? I, that's not, you're not talking about like the pow pow game where Pokemon make guns. No, 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 no. no,
0: no, no. like a first person shooter <laughs> someone made where you can like shoot they, a Zapdos in the face.
2: They directly took the assets of the bottles. And then you just at, go on like a, like a doom, like an old, old dooms, like, or like you know, style unreal shooter or something unreal tournament style, like vibe of just blasting them all in the face. And Nintendo doesn't want that to be seen by kids. So they're taking it down.
0: This is the real culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what? It, we It th- First it came from the right, then it came from the left and now it comes from wherever uh, they are up japan yeah j- nintendo is up on the political <laughs> axis yeah <laughs> just trying to figure out where that where they're coming from uh but yeah uh there also is pal world which is uh, a real game so about, excited about that yeah in that game I don't know when that game is coming out it feels like I see a trailer for that game every week Um, in the newest trailer the Pokemon are making a
1: SpaceX which I'm very into yeah it's good yeah so that's fun give Pokemon second amendment rights um but yeah let's talk about it it's the big game everyone's playing it Alex our Pokemon expert we've had him on before to talk about Pokemon games that have been good and bad
0: I'm, I'm more of a Pokemon I'm much more of a Pokemon expert now than the last time was I talking about Ultra Sun and Moon
1: uh, i think i think he yeah definitely Moon. i think he maybe also came on for sword and shield
0: yeah ultra sun and moon i was like just re-entering my adulthood pokemon phase outside of pokemon sure. Go. and now i've since mm-hmm. played ultra uh ultra sun and moon sword and shield po- the new pokemon mm. snap the brilliant mm. Di- i i finished the uh decks for or the the local decks for the brilliant diamond and shining pearl uh so i'm i'm hundreds of hours deep into pokemon.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no better guest imaginable. Um, so
2: let's talk now, Arceus. I, I do have a question about since you've you've delved back into the Pokemon. Me and me and Lux, before we played the game on stream, we did a tier list. And oh, yeah, we that's were true. like we were like, what is one of the best Pokemon games? What is one of the worst? Uh what I want to hear what you came up with in, in terms of that question.
0: I think. Maybe it's because it was the first mainline game I played in a very long time, but I think Ultrasun and Moon are great. Um I wanna say
2: We came to similar conclusions yeah, on that, on Ultrasun and Moon. Yeah, Ultra Sun and Moon was our top ranked game. I, I feel like I'm saying this
0: like Sword and Shield was did a lot of things that I think are good. And I'm annoyed when I play like the uh, Diamond Pro remakes that don't have these features. Uh-huh. I'm like, why would you do yeah. this? At the same time, I think Sword and Shield are bad. Like, I think the whole structure, like, it's it's very oh, short. Oh, yeah. And no, like these... Sword
2: and Shield, we gave, like, an F. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but,
0: like, having Pokemon in the overworld and stuff, like, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, it's fucking awful. There's nothing redeemable about it. When, like, having Pokemon in the overworld and the wild area were, like, all great sort of innovations. But, yeah, uh, dog shit. Um, Story and- dumb.
1: Best thing about that game, Pokemon That Is a Building. Sorry? So, the best thing about that game is that there's a Pokemon that is a building. We were going to give it an F, but then we gave it a D because of how much I like the Pokemon yes. That Is a Building.
0: Yeah, or, you know, obviously a wheezing that looks like a bong is, yeah, great.
2: Pretty fun. Oh, yeah, that's good, too. But, yeah, just it's just the idea that's like, okay, the, the plot is big Pokemon. The last Pokemon, a big building. Yeah. Perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and then, you know, because I've been playing it recently, like, Brilliant uh, Diamond and Pearl is not great.
1: I think... It's fine. Yeah, like...
0: He, this is just going to sound petty. This is what annoyed me. So, you know, there's 150 or 151 in the Sinnoh decks. Um, you, to progress to like the post game stuff, you just have to see all of them, which I did. And I was like, oh, obviously, if I actually catch them all and trade and, you know, do whatever, I'm going to get like a shiny charm or something cool. And I did that. And you, I didn't Google it beforehand. You get nothing. You have to finish the national decks for that. And I apparently can't get all of them. So I'm just very upset about that.
2: I I feel like that's Pokemon though. Like even in like the originals, you feel the Pokédex, and he's like, "You did it." <laughs> well, no, yeah. but you,
0: like a lot of times, like if you catch all of them, you get a thing. Uh, and this one, it's like I caught the main 150, got mm-hmm. nothing, and now I have to catch like 300 more, and I'm just mad.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, at a certain point, you did all that. It's the the journey has to be the reward. You know, in my opinion, what what reward possibly could Satiate your thirst. A sh-
0: uh, uh, an item that will make Shinies spawn more regularly.
2: <laughs> okay, all right, and you have an answer. Perfect. Yes. Um, yeah, we came to similar conclusions. Uh, and and, I, and the one, one point I did want to take from all this is that we all thought Sword and Shield was one of the worst Pokemon games ever made. Even though it did take some leaps, like almost every element was pretty trash. Uh, so leading into this like modern uh, next game, I was on this podcast, sell a lot, that it was going to be absolute shit. And frankly, I'm surprised at how much I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it's great. And I think it, uh, the people behind Pokemon have been very conservative. They just want to make the same game over and over again. And I bet like even the most modest changes are like a, huge amounts of political capital have to be spent. So the fact that they... Were able to make this game, which I don't know if it's being considered mainline series or whatever, but, you know, it's the core me- mechanics of, you know, battling and catching and stuff with, you know, uh, an open world with crafting uh, with an actual story that kind of makes sense. I mean, sometimes it doesn't make sense and we can talk about that rather than just like. Hey kid, do you wanna battle these eight gym leaders and battle the elite four and catch them all? That's the story. And also there's this these teams and they're evil. Why are they evil? They yeah. steal Pokemon. It's always you know, like who gives a shit.
2: This the story is you're at gym number six. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to to compare
1: it to, to Sword and Shield, right? One of the big beasts we had of Sword and Shield, or at least that I had that I yelled about a lot, was that like there's a the story is just happening nearby to you. Yeah. Like literally story events happen and then people come up and you go and, see you know, them. They, people literally will come up to me like, don't worry about this. Just go to the next gym. And it's like, <laughs> you just told me that like a fucking giant Pokemon is destroying the town. You sure I can't help? But they're like, no, 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 we got it under control.
0: I mean, you're a child.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like you've also just have, like, beaten 500 adults at Pokemon. It doesn't matter. But like in this game, there's a lot more of a coherent narrative that is, which does make it a little more fun. I've found a weird thing with this game in my relationship to it, which is that I have fun while I'm playing it, but I'm so much more easily distracted from this game than I am from most games. Yeah. Um, oh, and I- that's weird.
0: I feel so the regular Pokemon series is a game that I can almost exclusively have to exclusively play while watching certain kinds of TV, like dialogue heavy TV, like Star Trek or or something like that, Uh, because like it's just so much of the Pokemon main series is like very repetitive and the battling is like it's hard to stay engaged. And I feel the exact opposite with this in that there has been minor changes in, say, like the battle system where Uh, It's faster and not just like waiting for a dialogue box to go, but also just the very small tweak of you can walk around as the Pokemon are battling just somehow like prods my ADHD brain just enough to be like, oh, I can pay attention to this without some like external stimuli. See, the thing is,
2: I agree with that. I have
1: that mechanic. I have the same thing with Pokemon where I do it while I'm doing something else. It's a do something else game. The problem with this game is that I always end up way more focused on the something else than the game. Right. Um, and at first I thought this was just because one piece is so good. Um, <laughs> and so I tried it with a different TV show and the same thing happened although to a slightly lesser extent because one piece is so good. Um, but it's still like, it's just, I'm having a hard like I, well, I'm focused on the game. I'm having a lot of fun, but it's just like hard for me to stay locked in on this game, which is very weird to me. And I'm having to, be able to isolate exactly why I think part of it, is that the fucking completing the decks on individual Pokemon is just takes so long.
0: Yeah, well, it's also a little weird that you're saying that because, for instance, in the original series, uh, or the the main series, if I'm looking for, say, like a Phoebus or something, or or that's a bad example, I'm looking for a, a rare Pokemon in the grass and I'm just, like, walking around in circles. I see I've had an encounter. It's not the thing I'm looking for. I run away, and so it's just, like moving my joystick in a circle and pressing b a lot for for instance that doesn't happen in this game because of the open world because i have to be sort of paying attention to the 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 the, uh pokemon i'm seeing and so
2: I completely yeah. agree with that. Yeah, you have to be way more focused on it. Like I tried to watch a TV show and play it and I had to turn the TV show off uh, because uh, a big part of the game is how you approach Pokemon. Because yes. not sometimes you're not just battling them. Sometimes you want to catch them. Sometimes you want to catch them stealthily. Um, and I found just like the the music and the environment and everything that to be like really entrancing um, in a way where like, uh, all the previous Pokemon games are literally like your face rolling and like just one shotting every single Pokemon you meet in this game. You need a balanced team. The battles are harder and sometimes you might accidentally get in a battle with multiple Pokemon. So there's just like a heightened awareness to the, to the gameplay. Um, but I, I think that Lux is probably reacting less to the moment to moment to the gameplay and to some of the longer term incentives the game yeah. has. Yeah, that's what I was um, going to say. And, and And yeah, I'm sure like some of those are probably the fact that, you know, you have to raise your research rank, which is like a fun idea in theory, but filling out some of the research uh, roles becomes sort of like tedious and a chore. And you start to meet so many Pokemon that you feel like, oh, I don't want to go back and do all these ones. It feels like homework. And then the reward is just this weird little star. It's not even a gym badge. It's just sort of like an icon that goes up. Uh, It doesn't feel as meaningful as like, uh, when you defeated a gym leader and then the story can be a little vague and the characters can be a little bland. So you're not super invested in the main story quest either. I think those are probably the things my, that yeah, Lux is going yeah, up against. Totally. My
1: big edits that I would give in respect, in this respect, I think you've nailed for sort of my issue is that like, I would just make the thresholds for these fucking uh, data or like, these research points like lower, mm-hmm. right? Like it so sucks when I like go out and I'm like, I'm going to get a bunch of Starlies to like max out my Starly thing. And I catch like eight Starleys. And then I go open the Pokedex and it's like, how many do I need to fill this out? And it's like 25. And it's like, so are you
2: fucking a weird, joking? A weird thing about that is actually you don't have to fully do that. Yeah. it do, The game doesn't tell you this, but to quote unquote fully complete a Pokemon's entry, you don't have to do every single rank. What do you, you- need? Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's stupid as hell.
0: So this is a thing that I didn't fully understand, but what I'm happens, blowing Lux's mind. Yeah. I'm I would max out the there, there's levels like the, the, level four for the Pokedex entry for Starly, for instance, and level six, and then we get to level ten, it's like completed. Um, but there's like tracks on the 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 Pokedex entry card, which is like. Uh, there's like a little notch for like, you catch one Starly, you catch three, you catch six, you catch nine, you catch 15, you catch 25, which is kind of what Lux is talk about. But some of it's like, watch Starly use like Air Slash twice, uh, or it could be like five times or like defeat, you know, three or six or nine Starlys with, thunder, with a, a Thunder move. Um, uh, and you do some of those and I don't quite know like which ones I have to do, but like I've maxed out the entries for a bunch of them and I've never gotten to the point where I've like gone all the way and like caught 25 of something or, you know, defeated it like 20 times. It's a
2: poor, you see, even when he tried to explain it, he didn't. He just kind of was like, I don't get it either is what he basically said. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not clear exactly what's going on there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that, so that really makes it harder for me to get sucked into those. It makes them feel daunting and annoying, especially because I don't know which things I'm trying to even do to fill out the things. Mm-hmm. That's really frustrating. And then I think the other part of it that's pretty true is that, like, what's a good way, way to put this? That, like, the game, it doesn't really... I don't get a good... Like, it just isn't... It doesn't feel propulsive in terms of hunting Pokemon. Oh, this is the thing that's missing. This is why it's not propulsive is that you, this game needs a fucking skill tree, right? Like that's the thing that's missing is like a thing to invest these research points. in that gives you more health or your Pokemon get a damage bonus or you get special resistances.
0: Yeah, I, I, then you, I think that would be good, but I think it maybe what you're saying is this isn't inadequate, but like it does do that in terms of like every time you up your research level. Uh, new items become available at the shop, or like you can get new quests. Or I don't quite know if this is true. There's a person who can teach your um, Pokemon moves for money instead of the TM system, yeah. which is also great. I'm guessing also as you level it up, you can get new moves. And then the final thing is, uh, like your gym badge, you can catch Pokemon at higher levels who will you know obe- obey you.
1: Yeah, it gives you rewards, but they don't feel quite as personal. Like the gym works because it feels like you're marking progress as a kid on this adventure. So it makes sense in that respect. In this game, it feels like you're leveling up and getting better at Pokemon stuff, but you don't really, as a character, get better at Pokemon stuff. You just get access to different tools. Yeah. And I feel like a tree or something like that would then – then I'd be like, oh, I'm fine catching 25 Star League because then I can finally unlock Bear Slash. Yeah. uh, Which lets me like throw a
2: fucking ponytail into the ocean or whatever. Um, And that's yeah. a little bit more juice to name. I feel like you don't want two skill trays in terms of like one that already exists for all the separate Pokemon and then another one you're managing for yourself. But like a cool thing that I think for an open world game would be like, well, the plot of this game is that, <laughs> and it's said many times by many characters that Pokemon are terrifying creatures. This is a story where people are insanely afraid of Pokemon and never venture out to see them. What if the more research you did, you start to see more humans out in the world interacting with Pokemon positively that like you've taught people about Pokemon and maybe now the bases are being unlocked with those research levels or you're unlocking something that's not just a tent but like a cool new area where people are like interacting with Pokemon I think that would like make it feel more meaningful yeah, totally. yeah. I, I think that's correct
0: I think there's like a lot of uh, one review I saw called this game like good but messy and I, I think uh there's a lot of little things, whether it's kind of what you're describing, Griffin, or uh, Lux, like skill trees, or or having people in the world, in that I think the game could be much better, but I also think it's so much leaps and bounds better than every other Pokemon. I'm just fucking pumped, which is maybe why I'm being
2: like, no, 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 yes, it's great. Of course. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. That's the grand theme and something that, yeah, we should probably reiter- reiterate if we weren't clear at the top is that like we I'm having a lot of fun with this game. I'm so happy that they took this big swing. It just seems like they didn't have the talent and investment to like nail it on the first try, yeah. but that it's like a great blueprint for like the future. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely yeah the take. I, I mean, Porky said this on the stream, right? Porky was like.
1: The fact that this is like at all meaningfully different from a classic Pokemon game is just like such a breath of fresh air and such an exciting thing just on mm-hmm. its own, like independent of what it actually is. And I think that's correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, the 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 one thing that I thought was be like an addition, because obviously parts of it, even the sound when you uh, dodge kind of sounds like Link in Breath of the Wild. Maybe that's just I don't know.
2: No, they, they like share the same Google Drive of sound files. Yeah. Like there's like there's like little like piano twinkles that are like literally breath of the wild Dude, copy i would paste. love to get my hands on a fucking nintendo sound kit oh my uh, god
1: But, but
0: anyway, <laughs> that, the, the one thing that i was like oh man this is what i think would make this game like s tier is uh if there was like like breath of the wild some sort of item system where you could basically do trick moves right like i'm not saying it has to be a remote bomb to like launch me in the air so then like i can go sneak like drop down on a pokemon and throw a ball at it from mid mid-air. but i think like the physics of breath of the wild uh and your ability to to sort of solve problems in cool and interesting ways if pokemon had like any any smidgen of that yeah steal the fire from breath of the wild it'd be great
2: of course yeah um no one would get mad at that Uh, yeah yeah i mean there's a few other good things i want to mention before i get back to some bad things Mm -hmm. um you know I mentioned earlier about how like it'd be cool if like the the humans and the Pokemon started working together. And that does happen in the main hub town in yeah. some really fun ways. When you complete side quests where you give a character a Pokemon, whether it's like to help farm a field or like just to like hang out with, that Pokemon stays in the town next to them forever now. And it, and it feels like they, like, have a new formed relationship that you you help foster. Uh, and every time you load back into the town and you see the Pokemon helping out on the farm and you see the people chilling next to their Pokemon, that is, like, such a cool little detail, such a cool touch. And, and also,
0: yeah. it, like, adds benefits to the game. in. Uh, so, like, for instance, you give, like, a Geodude to a farmer, but then they, like, double their land. And then when you want uh, give them money to farm stuff for you, I believe you get more back from it.
2: Or, yeah. And, and it doesn't matter that they didn't draw any trees yeah. or plants, that it is just dirt piles forever. Ne- no animation. Yeah, no animation.
0: Or there's a tailor that would be like, I'd really like to see a Rosalia. And then you like bring them a Rosalia or some other Pokemon. They're like, I made some cool designs based off this Pokemon you saw. And then you can buy the, the clothes in the yeah, shop. Yeah,
1: the game, All that stuff is rocks. The game does incentivize you like seeing the little changes to the town in really fun ways. And they mm-hmm. really nail that home by having the town have just like an absolute fucking banger of a theme. The town yeah. theme is like some really good like vaporwave chill, like <laughs> it's fucking track, like some clams casino shit. And it's so mm-hmm. good. And so having that like chill, like low five beats of studying relax too. But like the 2000s version playing in the background as you like go check out
2: like the pickle lady and her new geo dude is just like a real joy. Yeah, I constantly like found myself to be like impressed over and over again with the hub world. Just uh, I didn't realize how big it was even at first. Like I thought it was just like these like two lanes, yeah. but then like I, I started going. I was like, oh wait, there's like these cliffs and these areas over here, and I still feel like I haven't fully explored it. So so that's exciting. Um, one thing that's frustrating about the side quests is that they're really hard to manage in the menu system. Yes. Like the game has not figured out. Um, how to make menus snappy and, and modern and in two ways. Like the side quests are hard to manage. And also, wouldn't it be nice to flick a button in the open world and have the research tasks appear transparently on the left side just to be like, Oh, I'm looking at this Pokemon. Flick, I'm still I'm, I'm not going to a menu, I'm in the world. And then I see, oh, here's the things I still have to have to do on that Pokemon. And then I can flick that menu away. These are things that a game from like 2012 can do. Yeah. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, I I mean I've even had problems like i'll complete a quest and i think i get a notification that i completed the quest but then i can't figure out where to go back to and then i'll go in the 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 uh like request menu where it lists all of them but they all have like stupid names so i'm like which one was the fucking rosalia one and i have to scroll through and they're not in any like good order uh and then i have to select that and you can only have one selected once to, like get a map marker to figure out where to go Um, which will unselect my other map marker and then I'll have to find that other quest again. It's just a, it's a, it's a nightmare system.
2: Yeah. And also you can't like pin stuff on the map. It's like you can, but it's useless. Like I don't get it. I haven't
0: even tried to. Yeah. But I've seen, I can place different icons. You
2: can place icons, but then they don't appear when you close the map. So you can't like follow them Mm. to the location you pin. So they're useless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So there's just a lot of quality of life stuff like that. That's like, makes it easy to like, Yeah, I'm going to put it down now. (laughs) It has
1: it. It That's like, that's the thing with this game is that like, I get to these points. I think the point of, Oh, I guess I'll put it down now for me with this game, just like comes faster than I expected all the time, which I don't, I still like, I can't put my finger on it because when I look at individual elements of the game, like I'm never not enjoying the thing that I'm doing. Like I like seeing through the bushes and getting Pokemon. The battling is really fun. The quests are like, all the characters are pretty flat, but they're at least like, they're not like, to be clear, there are enough characters that they can be flat as opposed to like Pokemon characters from past games who just aren't anything. Um, So it's an upgrade in that respect. It's pretty much across the board better, but for some reason, like, um I just like am having a hard time, like getting fully invested. And I really do think it has to do with a lot of this stuff we were talking about at the top or just like some of the long term the Long term goals they want to give me just don't feel like they're getting rewarded or particularly exciting. Yeah, um, the other thing to be, I was, I'm just going to be the negative, the negative Nancy. Um, we, we
2: totally flipped on this game.
1: No, I it's I, so I do, I do really like it. We're I just had a time yeah, about are.
2: it
0: for 30 minutes, but we love it. You should go buy it.
2: I do, I do like <laughs> it, I do like it quite a bit.
1: Um, but this is like hilariously the most colonialist game ever oh my in the world. God.
2: So, well, that, that's why I like it. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I know that's why I I, you're into it.
0: Well, hold on. I'm, I haven't beat the game. I, I don't think there's any spoilers here, but yeah. I feel like the story at the very beginning is actually very... Um, Kingdom Hearts. Oh, well, I haven't played Kingdom Hearts, but sure, I believe you. But, <laughs> but like, uh,
2: they, you start in Kingdom Hearts, uh, and then God chooses you.
0: Yeah, so... When you start the game, you're like a kid who gets sucked in this strange world and uh, you like find this village and whatever. And there's like a lot of like intrigue there. I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And they're called uh, Galaxy. It's, ga- it's the reverse Galaxy of Galaxy Team. Yeah, not Team Galaxy, which is the bad guys from Diamond and Pearl. Uh, yeah. Galaxy yeah. Team. And there's like weird Wes Anderson fascism vibes going on. Like, you, they're yes. uh, like, people will say things like, you have to, um, unless you're like, Work, unless you're working, uh, you have to starve. Like you know, everyone, no one can be a freeloader here. Like very like Mul- harsh militaristic yeah. in a sort of cutesy Pokemon way.
2: And they tell people like you're gonna die. Like like multiple times, especially in the beginning, they're like, if you're not useful, you'll die. Yeah,
0: and also at the very beginning, it's like we don't trust outsiders. Outsiders are yeah. bad. And I'm like, oh, like is, is this mm-hmm. going to be like a cool kids commentary on like nationalism or something? It I don't think it is. Like, and th- that's the other thing. I was like, <laughs> no. they're setting up uh galaxy team because obviously they're the villains in this other pokemon game to like oh you think they're cool and they give you a home but then there's going to be some turning point where actually you figure out that they're bad guys and maybe that 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 could still happen i haven't beat the game but i don't think it's going to happen um and instead you'll just probably work for this like pseudo-fascist organization uh and then like yeah there's there's that
1: there's also just like the colonialism of the game is so fucking stark because just for context, yeah, you, you're this guy, you're this kid summoned from space and given this like God mission of being this very special boy. And then you go to this town and in the town you meet this exploratory squad whose job is to like map and taxonomize all of the Pokemon and put them into like this rational sort of enlightenment guided framework and there are already two communities that exist in this world who have relations to pokemon that aren't scientific and like technologized and are just like cool yeah and are very like native indigenous sort of coded in their like style and like mysticism and shit and And they don't put pokemon in balls They don't put pokemon in balls and then the game is like you're here to show these backwards idiots that mm-hmm. how good and important it is to actually do things the science way,
2: mm-hmm. um, and, and they then give them, them small also just and steal their land.
1: Like it's I really crazy. also just
2: side note, don't want to interrupt this incredible tan- like this theme that you're breaking, but like. They keep saying that in this game that Pokemon have the size to shrink down, regardless of Pokeballs. Yeah, multiple people explain the science is that the bo- Pokeballs. I've always thought shrunk the Pokemon and then put them, and then sucked them inside them. But apparently, the actual lore is that Pokemon can get really small, which is
0: stupid. That, that that's we can get back <laughs> to colonialism. But there's so many small plot things that are just so. Patently stupid like that, and like, whatever, it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the game. But the other one is like, these like noble Pokemon that protect over the land are like frenzied, and the only way that you can unfrenzy them is by smacking them in the face with food they like. (laughs) Um,
1: well, okay, but to be fair,
2: that like works on me. I
0: don't (laughs) think I could smack you in the face with like a steak or something, and you'd be like, now I'm happy. I could feed it to you.
2: What about (laughs) a hundred steaks?
1: If you threw a
2: steak in my face and I was really mad. (laughs) I feel like it's 50-50 that that might go pretty all right. Listen, I want to give you both permission that if you see me coming around the corner and I'm fully golden and my eyes are glinting and I'm charging at you, you better throw some stakes at (laughs) me. Throw a fucking McDouble at this man.
1: Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, there's all that. And that's all bizarre also, which is like it's the colonialism thing doesn't like bother me too much in this game it's like a silly game with silly stuff going on but like no no,
0: no, but it's weird but it's it's very weird it's weird in how specific it is right like it's it's known that like galaxy team is like from somewhere else they are surveying this new land The, the new land as you said is occupied by these other people but then are doing like weird colonial administration stuff where they're like Uh, brokering like peace deals and and negotiations between these two rival clans
2: like they're they're nation building yeah like they're they're
0: fucking like nation building and people like are distrustful of them they're like I don't know about them but also they bring this cool new technology and I'm just like oh like you read books about British colonialism you're like and Pokemon we're gonna make it Pokemon but
2: (laughs) uh, again like
0: if it turned into this cool thing where you rise up against them with like the Diamond Pearl clan to expel like these colonizers that'd be super cool but, not but we know happen. that doesn't
1: happen because we know what the future is, right? <laughs> well, because the, fu- well, the future the, is Poke Towns. The future is unwritten. Well, maybe they the built Poke
0: towns.
2: towns. Yeah. What if this is an, do, What if it's a part of the world that's been untouched? But it is oh, like, sort of a because isn't uh, it's called
0: like Ju- Jubilee Village or Jubilee Jubilee? And isn't Jubilee City the main place? Like it, it's clear that these are yeah. the same places.
2: Yeah, um, or maybe they only know like a few words. Sorry, maybe the developers only know a few words. Right,
0: like like that. They're like, we know Valor. We're gonna name another like like after Valor. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like uh, the other story thing that that is sort of. I mean, I like the fact that like God tasks you to like go out into the world, and it's kind of like weird and eerie, mysterious, yeah. and like was just just that alone was more to chew on than most Pokemon stories, which we've obviously said before. But they also have this weird thing where it's like both of the, the warring clans are like these like religious, having like a religious dispute because they worship the same God, but one thinks that they control space and one thinks they control time. Yeah. And like, and like they're like, we have no Venn diagram here like like, there's no way he could control both yeah. there's no, like that's too much it, it, for one it's god it's in the
0: sphere of the, the, <laughs> one of the dumb things that Pokemon does again and again and is like instead of like good pots, they'll have
1: uh, like they did this opposite
0: day yeah like, like uh, there's like uh, team uh, is it gen 3 it's like team magma and team yeah some,
2: land and water yeah there's like yeah. the well,
0: water team and the land team and the land team wants to make the whole world land and the water team wants to make the whole world water and they're they're <laughs> warring at each other and it's like it's also reflected the two uh, main legendary Pokemon which is uh, Kyogre and uh, uh, Grudon and this one like again diamond and pearl there's the diamond clan the pearl clan uh, the time one it, it, I might fuck this up the time one I think is Dialga and the space one is Palkia or I could have that reversed and so
2: um, oh you're good so far yeah yeah
0: so uh and this is in diamond and pearl like oh space time but like they set up the Warren clan things where they say and again like their whole thing is like these games are for like all the conservatism of pokemon is like these games are for children we don't give a shit about returning players like this just has to be like a cool adventure for kids we're not going to get deep about it like whatever but at the same time they're having discussions about time and space that make no sense to fucking children because they don't make sense to me as an adult
2: yeah it's Uh, bizarre yeah I mean, my thought is that I haven't finished the game yet, but my guess is that this space time rift transported you from the old Pokemon universe to this new one. Uh, and that these are like alternate timelines, but that's just my oh, thought. I thought it was like literally yeah. the past. Yeah, I think
1: it is literally the past because just a quick. Pokey, it, it might be, but
2: I choose to ignore yeah. that information.
1: A quick poking around <laughs> yields that uh, Jubilife Village is the counterpart to Jubilee City, and that the Hisui region where the game takes place becomes the Sino region that is where Jubilee, that is where Diamond and Pearl take place.
0: Yeah, yeah and, okay. And also, so we do know we, we do know though. that
1: like the colonizers win, but no, but see, right.
0: there's not really. I mean, in Diamond and Pearl, like Team Galaxy is not the status quo. Team Galaxy like comes in and invades Sinnoh. and so maybe they expel the colonizers, and then in Diamond and Pearl, they're back, and they try to make. Uh, do like an apotheosis with their figurehead what's his name like not cliff i forget his name
2: um Hmm. yeah i forget his name also
1: because that game whatever
2: but uh, well my my last story thought before before we move on is uh i love that this professor's not like super respected but just a weird old freak (laughs) <laughs> Who just yeah. to the professor a being meals. a nasty, weird guy is rules. Yeah, that like that's just such a nice uh change because there's been a few other professors and they all just feel like very bland cardboard cutouts. This guy is we is is a freak. He has a weird hat and he loves to eat. Yeah,
0: yeah, big fan of this professor. Some of the characters I, I am like, yeah, this is good.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's also nice and refreshing that for once the sort of instigating incident isn't an old man wants to fuck your mom so you have to go on a
2: poke adventure and instead it's like other like he's just a guy who's around yeah <laughs> uh, or at like near the end of the game we like look at the portal and then your mom gets teleported out and the professor's like
1: <laughs> yeah he's like oh and his mouth opens and then he falls over and an ambulance drives out of his mouth the two beavers get out of the ambulance and put him on a
2: stretcher and they put him back in the ambulance and they drive away yeah. uh, there has been a lot of times where our character has gone like a weird like like shocked yeah. face that they haven't made in Pokemon before. Yeah. That's been fun. Uh before we got to commercial break, the last thing I have to say about Pokemon is holy fuck, I love the mounts. The mounts are fun to ride yeah. and they go really fast. Uh yeah, they're very good. <laughs> I, we ended on an agreement.
1: Um, yeah, I mean they're they're very fun. Um, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on Pokemon before we do a commercial break? And then I guess we'll do general news and talking Titan after that.
0: Uh it's good if you like Pokemon or even don't like Pokemon a little bit. I, I I think you should buy it. I think it's a I think it's a good game. It could be
1: yeah. Better. I do think it's a good game for people who don't like Pokemon. I think that's a good point. That a lot of the shit about Pokemon that's annoying isn't in this game, and a lot of the shit that's good about Pokemon is in this yes. game. So if you're someone who's like I don't want to play these dumbass top-down wander around games, that's not what this is, which is great. Like if they do. Like it's, it really is all the stuff that Griffin and to and me were sort of like anticipating being fucked up and stupid about this game actually basically works. And it actually like does execute a lot of the things that like in my most Pollyanna sort of moments on the podcast, I've been like, well, if they do checkbox A, B, C and D, they'll have a pretty fucking cool game on their hands. And like, they actually did accomplish that stuff. Yeah.
2: So it's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you know, I put, if I put it in the context of someone comes up to me and they're like, I just bought the Nintendo Switch. What games should I get? this would be in the top five. Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Crash Bandit, Stu Racing.
2: Yes. That's the first four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> we don't have to list them all right now. Uh, all right. We'll see you after this commercial break. All right. And we're back. And we're back. Um,
1: so we talked about Arceus. Man, it's good. We're all having fun here. Um, we're here with Alec. Alec is here with us. What a joy. Um, Griffin, do you have any video game
2: news from this week? Uh, Sony, uh, bought Game Boys from Microsoft. Microsoft got bought Game Boys and then Sony bought Game Boys from Microsoft. Yeah. That's how it worked.
1: Yeah. Pretty trade around. Yeah. It's not going to change the podcast or our lives at all, but it's a sort of technicality. I uh, lost money on the deal. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, they were like, Griffin, you have to pay to move all the Game Boy's gear out of the, the Microsoft and over to Sony. Uh, I was like, well, what about this chicken Caesar salad? And they're like, yeah, you're going to have to pay for that. Too. <laughs> yeah, it says free on it, and not for you. Uh, um, But yeah, but Microsoft, but what did happen is Sony did buy Bungie. Yeah. What's happening? Uh,
2: the, the great, uh, the great reset.
1: Yeah, it's like, this is, it's becoming, like, there's always been, like, video game monopoly shit happening, but I feel like it's getting more explicit and more huge, like, the past two weeks.
2: hmm Yeah. Uh, Alec, you, what do you think?
1: I
0: don't have a ton to add, except, yeah, I think it's, like, the natural tendency towards monopoly and capitalism. Yeah. What it, a bummer. It, it's also, uh, like, I, I've seen people sort of complain this about Reddit, but I think... You know, the days of there was always exclusives on systems, but it, it seems like it might limit our ability in the future to like have a system and enjoy most of the games, except for a couple exclusives. And is the trend going to be towards all the games are going to be exclusive to because Xbox or Sony bought all the studios and make the game explicitly for themselves?
2: Yeah. I mean, if there's only two companies, though, and you really love video games, is that really that bad to, to own both systems? you need a PC
0: because then there's only shit on PC. So that's three, well, and, well, and well, yeah, and you yeah. Need a Nintendo, which all their shit is basically exclusive.
2: Listen, those all are in the build back better plan. Okay, got it. Yeah, so the only thing between you and four video game systems is Joe Mansion. <laughs> so go to his house and throw a rock at him, gamers. It's time yeah. get your doxing powers together. Pretend that pretend that Joe Mansion is Abby from the Last of Us. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, you know that's actually his daughter. Yeah. Um, he, so
1: show, you know, show who's boss.
0: Can you imagine if Gamers Rise Up was about, like, the horrors of capitalism as it ruins people's video games instead of whatever dumb shit they're talking about?
2: Yeah. That'll only happen once the we run out of, like, sand for the microchips. Gotcha. Yeah. Once we have not enough rare earths, then Gamers Rise Up will be about
1: sort of market forces and, like, expressing, like, a sort of solidarity. But until then, it, it's going to be it, about,
2: like, yeah. being mad that uh, women are allowed to have a gun. Yeah and that's just sort it, of it are, where we're at. It already like is affecting market forces. The NFT market is going down and so graphics cards are getting easier to buy. I can't not think that those two are incredibly related. Yeah, I just don't yeah.
0: I don't understand how gamers aren't like the most radicalized lefties among us because you know, you're a PC gamer, you haven't been able to buy a fucking graphics card because crypto miners are pumping all their money into this fake resource that shouldn't do anything and destroys the environment all your favorite franchises like battlefield are just being like converted into whatever stupid format is like the the flavor of the day in terms of like shooters or whatever um and then they're trying to put nfts into games and all this stupid shit like why, why isn't that but instead they're just like i didn't like that the women were did stuff
2: yeah. well the the, the NFL, well they they do not like they definitely don't like women I agree with you there right. uh, and guys guys honestly give them a second chance women are awesome <laughs> yeah I'm I'm, I'm 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 on board but um <laughs> Griffin says thumbs up for ladies <laughs> yeah uh two thumbs way up so like the thing is is, you know, they there has been major pushback against the NFTs yeah. actually. One of the one of the things that gamers do like to complain about is either like when games are being predatory with microtransactions and pay to win stuff, and then like with NFT stuff. That does seem to be an area where people do complain a lot. I mean, even in last week, I think that like ten different companies came out with like NFT schemes in the gaming market and they've all retracted yeah, that's like right.
1: since. Yeah.
2: Well, that's like the funny thing about the Gamers Rise Up thing is that
1: gamers hate most things about capitalism. They just seem to be like totally into capitalism, yeah. which is very weird yeah. because there's a ton of gamer people who like don't want to be like socialism is good and don't want to be like the system is broken. But then every
2: single manifestation of the system that happens makes them angry.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, th- how can they focus on the system being broken? The game is broken. Yeah. Okay, let's let's focus on the game first. Yeah, let's get the glitches out about, of that.
1: We can't talk about what's wrong with
2: culture because we got to figure out what's wrong with Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Uh, what if? But but you know, listen. Our politicians are they're wall clipping through our democracy, folks, <laughs> and we need to fix that. Yeah, that's true. There's some real glitches in American democracy. Um, it's a disaster
1: um if i don't anything it's a day one patch (laughs) (laughs) a year 300 patch
2: um
1: (laughs) have i played anything that isn't arceus that's been good lately
2: no well Uh, not that i haven't already talked about but what have you been playing what was it i don't know you're the one who played it i've been rating final fantasy that's been great oh i've been playing more five nights at freddy's it's so broken holy shit broken in like a fun way or broken in a bad way like they did like the game is you can't it's like 20 13 frames per second sometimes (laughs) on like the low settings it's incredible well that sounds bad yeah it's really bad and uh it's not good um uh oh last night in in a in in a sort of a a manic state i pre-ordered dying light 2 Mm -hmm. any thoughts uh i've heard that that game is uh, absolutely terrible (laughs) Oh, nice. Now, I hear both things. I really you hear, Alex? I have zero I also
0: confuse it with another game. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me get on board here.
2: <laughs> well, you, so, Dying Light 2, for audiences listening right now who don't know, it's a zombie parkour yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. I watched some uh, play, I think,
0: the first one the other day.
2: The, the first one released to not a lot of fanfare, but it had a nice cult following in, like, 2015. Yeah. And this is, like, kind of, like, I would describe this as, like, the... This is like the opener comic. This is like the pre-show comic for like the rest of February where we've got like Sifu, Horizon, Elden Ring, like the really big stuff. So I feel like everyone is waiting for a big game to play and everyone's like looking at this and being like, well, maybe this is the first two weeks of February.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I, here's what I have to say about that. And it's that I read a review of this game that said that the combat was just utterly miserable and that, that's 20% of the game. Um, nice.
2: And that sounds like a nightmare to me. Well, here's a different pitch, Lux. I heard that it's like Mirror's Edge with melee combat. And that, you know, that piqued my interest. Only if the melee combat's good, though. No, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, you're probably <laughs> fine. <laughs> The, the worst part about Dying Light 2, I already know, is like, the listen, it's going to be on 4K. It's going to be 4K. I'm going to be parkouring through beautiful sceneries, doing some basic melee combat. But then, like, the story is going to be so dog shit that, like, I'm going to be just, like, having to be really bummed playing through those parts. But I love a good parkour game. Yeah. I mean, parkour is definitely fun. I mean, Assassin's Creed built, you know, they, they built an empire on parkour. Um And, you know, I always liked Mirror's Edge. It was kind of a simple game, but I don't know. So that's probably what I'll be doing this week. That and uh, Lost Ark. Alec, do you, you going to play Lost Ark?
0: I don't think so. I, the things on my slate are beating or 100%ing if possible Arceus Legends.
2: Uh, I wow. put down
0: Disco Elysium to play that, but I will probably get back to that.
2: Great Definitely game. beat that. Yeah, great ending too. Yeah,
0: it, it's getting to a point where like reading so much is starting to get a little tedious. Uh, like I'm a big fan of it so far, but uh, it's just like basically I can't be reading a book because this is this is my reading. uh And th-
2: it's a, it gets to be a lot, especially if you are super invested in it. But there are two scenes in Disco Elysium that are like two of my favorite scenes in any video game. Yeah, great. there's a lot of stuff that I really love
0: in that game. Um, and the third thing which I mentioned earlier is. Uh, a friend uh, peer pressure me into getting back for blood to be on their squad, really to audition for their squad. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I'm in the squad, uh, but it's kind of fun. I, I know the game got like a lot of negative reviews at first. Uh, I've been told it was made easier and like tweaks have been made to sort of make it better. It's still very challenging and fun and feel like Left 4 Dead, I think it's... Um, <laughs> It's just like a good up to date. I tried to play Left 4 Dead in the last couple of years with friends, and it's just hard to play like very old shooters that like kind of feel janky and stupid.
2: Totally. Oh,
1: I have been playing, speaking of squads, I've been playing a lot more EDF five. We're on like mission forty-five now. Um, and EDF five is so good um it's a great game for if you're with your friends and you want to kill so many bugs
0: oh this game i've played this at some point Some.
1: i want to be a bug that kills humans yeah. um, can i play as the bugs you cannot play as the bugs maybe need EDF 6 which is coming out this year man this year is like a crazy huge year for like the specific weird shit that forest likes which is weird because <laughs> we're getting fucking a new armored core apparently new edf this fucking weird, loves mechs. This fucking weird card fighter game that he's been telling me about for years has just like got dropped on Switch with no preamble. Just like a port just appeared out of nowhere.
2: Oh, um, I, I remember armor, Armored Core. I remember seeing it on like a PS1 or something like that at someone else's house. And it was the first game where I was like, oh, games can be like, w- make me feel stupid. Like yeah. I couldn't figure out how to yeah, play I, I, Armored Core I, is I, dense. I
0: owned Armored Core for the PS2 or maybe I rented it. I don't know. But I, I spent several hours trying to figure it out. And I was like, I'm smart. I can do this. And I wasn't smart. I couldn't do it. And it really, I think every child needs that experience.
1: Yeah. From the makers of Dark yeah, I, Souls. I agree. The two things that fucking From Software does, like impossibly hard action RPGs and impossibly complicated mech games. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't even think I could figure out how to shoot it, like, shoot the gun. It, to be honest, like, I was trying to learn Pro Tools the other day and it was the same experience. Like, I couldn't even play an audio track. I, I like, it was just the same experience over
1: again. Huh. Wow.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Well, Lux, uh, do we want to do? We, we do got to do the the talk on Titan part. Just you and me. We got to talk on Alex Titan. Alec, what? do you want to stick around for
1: us to talk about the newest episode of Attack on Titan? Oh, I will be or sorry. I like watched it. I,
0: I have not. Like I've uh, worked on Attack on Titan scripts for Wisecrack, Crack, but I've never actually watched an episode of it. All
1: right. Then why, why would he want to yeah. stay for this, Lux? Then, Alec, is there anything you're up to that you want to tell people about,
2: or anything? At uh, else along those lines or-, or Or is there any secrets you're keeping Something you want to keep close to the chest and not make sure any, No one yeah, finds so out
0: So I'm starting like this radical political movement We're just in basements right now but like we're Okay cool uh,
2: you know, uh, Basements plural though that's yeah, good sever-
0: we've, we've expanded I can't tell you how many But you know, for once, I, I basically have I have nothing to plug. That's so weird. You can't even follow me on Twitter anymore because I privated it in case an employer sees it and is like, I don't. This guy, I don't. I like Joe Rogan. Oh why shit! Is, Should I do that? Why? Why, why, <laughs> why is he making fun of Joe Rogan? I like that podcast. Like, I'm trying to avoid that scenario. Like, I'm yeah. From, so, so 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 don't look. I've changed my name. It's very different than my real name. So you'll never be able
1: to find Fuck. me. Wait, should I be doing this? I, mean, you can I don't know. My, my Twitter is public and I talk about killing people. Yeah, public but you figures pretty You are. You have a
0: job. Like, the thing is, I don't want a, a possible employer to look at it for five seconds and be like, this guy seems like a dick, which, like, I kind of am a dick. Like, I get it.
2: Yeah. Okay. How fair. about, th- okay. Tell me if, tell me what an uh, 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 employer would think of this tweet. Yeah. Enough is enough. Sean Penn was treated very unfairly in licorice pizza. I haven't
1: seen, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to figure out where the line yeah. is. Yeah, I think I think you're okay. Okay, well then in that case, <laughs> folks, I'm staying unlocked. I'm find All right, Twitter glad out. we accomplished that.
1: Um, Alec, it was awesome to have you. Thank you so much for Thank coming you on for the show. Me on Buff
0: boys, it's been great.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun. Hopefully, you can come back sometime soon. Good luck with your job interview and your haircut. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And uh, we will. It's always nice to have an expert on. It
2: is. That's all I'll say. Thank you so much. we never know fucking anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk to you guys later.
2: Later. Cool. Thanks, Alec. Now. All right. And we are back. Welcome to our sub podcast inside of our podcast. Welcome to A Talk of Titan. Yeah, you're getting an extra chunky episode today. That's right. If you wash the dishes, keep washing them. I don't care. I don't care how clean they are. Yeah.
1: Double clean those shits. Make them... Oof. Make
2: them cleaner, even so. Oof. Oof. Uh, wow, wow, wow. What an episode. Wow.
1: Yeah, this, it did, it lived in like the mystical realm that I've been complaining about a lot the past couple of weeks. But I think it did it a lot better than they've done it before. Um, yeah. It had like a real tone. And I was surprised that an episode could be entirely away from the core drama and action of everything that we've been so excited about for weeks and still be as compelling and engrossing as this one
2: was. It was a little bottle episode, wasn't it, in a way? Yeah, it was definitely a bottle episode. Yeah, we love those. Um, Yeah, Uh, it seems uh, like uh, this was... Aaron and Zeke going on uh, a time journey together. And just from like the very opening scene, you kind of are on your the edge of your seat as you realize that not only are they looking into the past, but the past can hear them.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting wrinkle. And it does... Raise a lot of questions about sort of like the nature of time and predestination across the board in this show. Like it like like obviously like the key events that led to this happening don't happen without them going back in time. So it like raises this question of like, is there a world where they didn't go back in time or like was this always inevitable? And is it's sort of like an all time happens at the same time thing. Or like what's going on, and that's not something we can probably figure out from the text or anything like that. But it's very interesting and very
2: weird. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of those time travel questions never really interest me. So I hope it's pretty simple from here on out with that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something they planted seasons ago with uh, what's his name, the crow. Um, yeah, where the the, the the attack on Titan. The Attack Titan, sorry, has not only the power of uh, be- fighting, <laughs> but seeing the future. Yeah. Um. Or sort of like knowing everything on the timeline, but only in like glimpses and bits. Yeah, only um, in small little twists and, and tastes but it was planted with the crow way back when, when he's uh, transferring the attack Titan to Grisha, he says, save Mikasa and save Armin, uh, but not save Aaron. Very important detail. Um, characters who hadn't even been born yet. Um, so that was always really kind of an interesting little detail that now is finally paying off. Um, and yeah, so this episode basically features like, Another just total power flip, which is what everyone was, was tweeting about online, is that, you know, last episode, cliffhanger, Zeke knows all the rules. And now, twist, actually, Zeke is following Aaron through this entire episode because Aaron knows the rules more. Yeah, it is confusing who knows the rules and
1: what the <laughs> rules are. And it's a yeah. little annoying to me that both episodes ended on these cliffhangers of like, now you'll see my deal. Because, like, Mm -hmm. I would just like to see their deal. Um, Yeah. And and that's not just, like, obviously that's, like, what cliffhangers are for. But this is a little bit more frustrating in the sense that, like, the episode itself suffers for me not being able to put it in context. And so when thinking about it in the context of the season, probably this episode will feel better than I felt about it while I watched it. Because I'll be able to put the stuff that happens in it in context. But while I was watching it, there was this underlying thing of, like, I don't understand the rules here enough to like understand the like dramatic irony of the situation.
2: Uh I agree with you and I think that like that can be sort of distancing yourself a little bit from the narrative when that happens um but yeah i agree maybe in the context of the show that it could be better um or look like a better episode that way but you know uh, the things that i really want like choose to focus on with the episode are the things that re- it really succeeds with and, and one of them is this theme that keeps happening on the show about you know Uh, stories and like the stories we're told, the stories we tell ourselves and then like what the real closer messier truths actually are Um, and that really all comes full circle with this uh, relationship between Zeke and his father Yeah, Um, and I thought that to be really powerful
1: yeah well a huge part of the show is people narrativizing their own lives and also like history into like a story that justify. This is a phrase I use fucking all the time, but like history is a story that's written to justify the status quo, right? Like we retell histories in such a way to make it so that where we're at right now in the world makes sense. Um and is like justifiable and and good. And the show shows characters doing that all the time, both in terms of their personal relationships and in terms of like the broader world. And this was a really interesting thing because Zeke's entire deal is based on a very specific version of history that he tells himself based on stuff that Mr. Xaver told him back in in, you know, back in Marley, and and is a rejection of the stuff that Grisha told him as a kid and is built on that rejection and on his feelings about Grisha. And he builds this whole story, and then it starts to fall apart very quickly because as soon as they get into the flashback world, Grisha immediately is like consciously and unconsciously expressing so much regret about Zeke and the cost of leaving Zeke behind and like abandoning his and abandoning his
2: boy. Yeah. He he did H, HW. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zeke is Zeke is full on H W. Um, yeah, it's like he sees that basically, you know, um, this really big breakthrough moment for Zeke is that we watch Grisha find the hole where the Royal family lives and he doesn't go in, he turns away and he comes back and he hugs Aaron and he starts crying And we realize that he has a lot of regrets and doesn't know what to do um, about the situation, uh, that he regrets leaving his last kid and that he he can't do it again. Um, And that really blows Zeke away. And then uh, we get to months, years later again, where they're visiting Grisha, who returns to the hole, um, to the cave. And that's where we get... One of the craziest scenes in the show, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> you're talking about when they're in like the, the, royal, the royal zone. We're in the royal chambers, and Grisha, just like we've always done in history, is about to turn himself into the attack titan and kill the royal family and take the founder. And we're all led up to him about to do it. He's about to transform. And then he stops and he breaks down. He can't do it. He can't kill children; it's not within him.
1: Yeah, exactly. He like looks at it and sees the cost what he's gonna do. Clearly, with Zeke in mind and his own lost child and his like love for Aaron, and he just like can't pull the trigger on his grand plan. Like he just doesn't have the doesn't have the spoons for it. And then fucking, but someone can. Yeah, Aaron has an abundance of spoons. Oh no, my god! Fucking goes in there and is basically just like. Fucking do it, pussy, uh, yeah. to his dad, and you know, then he does. Like it's crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he kneels down and he connects through time and space to his dad and tells him to do it. What was all of this for? All your family being killed, all, all your friends being slaughtered, and then and then everyone here in this place will eventually die too and be killed. Uh, fight, kill back kill 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 um and you know it's this scene is powerful in a lot of ways because it's like not only plot wise does this mean that like aaron and his anger and his sort of hatred has like transcended space and time to like connect events but like that aaron is a completely different person than his father and the show like asks sort of uh a very, like a very interesting question there. And I'm not sure what the show's take is. Is it like a question of like nature or some people like, is there, is it in their nature to be like this? Or was this the, just the result of just the constant terror and pain that he's been through since a young child. It's, it's hard for me to know what the show is saying. Well, it re- yeah. It's, it's very interesting because this, this goes back to the time
1: travel stuff, but like if, <laughs> if Aaron's in that room, then he theoretically has this choice of like stop. Like he could take the car that makes Aaron into the Aaron that he is and take it off of its tracks by letting Grisha not kill that family. But like old angry murder, Aaron is like, no, this is who I'm trying to be. Like he's, this is like, I think a really good, like solidifying him as I think the ultimate villain of the show in this moment, because He has a moment to show mercy, let these people go, let Grisha leave and just not be set on this course of like total destruction that he finds himself on now. And he doesn't take that choice.
2: Well, but here's what makes that a little bit more interesting is that I mean, what I I feel like it's so easy to cast him as this ultimate villain. But like the choice isn't just to uh, like take that car off. But that choice is dying. That choice is him dying. Right, like, like it, you know, if he didn't exist, if he didn't seal those holes way back in the day. Like humanity in Mar- would have been overrun. Well, well,
1: you just don't know, right? Like- A bunch of variables change. This doesn't happen.
2: Yes and no. I mean, Marley still would have attacked, but Marley- you still have you
1: have the fucking Freya's alive. Um, doing queen shit, having the Titan, But
2: Freya decided to let the humans within the walls die. That's what she says in the scene, that it's better if all the Eldians get eaten. So it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, she is, it's so easy to just say, I wouldn't have done that in Aaron's position, But, but let's be real clear about what his choices are. His choices are kill or, or die.
1: Yeah. And, but it's, I think, and I don't, I don't know if I blame him for making the choice, but the fact is that he's like, he's making the committed choice. He's choosing violence in a very literal sense. Um, yeah. and is like committing himself to that course in this moment. And I think that I'm still confident that the show is inevitable is ultimately going to be like, this. Ain't they ain't good. Um, I don't think it's true. I think the show is going to try to walk a bridge. It's very weird with that is going to say Freya was wrong to let everyone die. Aaron is wrong to think that killing everyone's a solution and that there is something in the middle is going to be where the show wants to be. Yes. And, but this is a moment where Aaron is like locking that in. Aaron is like, kill these kids, let me go, pull the trigger on me becoming the guy that I'm going to be, this murder crazy psycho. Let's do this thing. Um, Yeah. And at the same time, Zeke seeing this, and I think the animation kind of tries to tell you this idea that Zeke is realizing that maybe his idea of what the best outcome is isn't the best outcome either. That like, it has opposite effects. And for Zeke in this moment, it's like, Oh, what, is it a good idea to euthanize everyone? Maybe it's not. And then Aaron's like, and so he like gets doubts and Aaron just doubles fucking down. Aaron is like, yep, they're right. It's time to prove that uh, you can't take our freedom that killing us. And that we will fight you till you're dead. Um, yeah. And it's a really interesting, like dynamic. And like, it, it's an interesting part of the Aaron Zeke dichotomy that the show's playing with that, for most of the show, Zeke is like the one who is like ideologically committed, is like hardline concrete. This is the thing, it all costs, whatever. Um, but as we get closer to the end game, he's sort of losing some of that grip. And Aaron, who has been flip floppy and flimsy throughout the show, has grown into like a fucking absolutely committed murder man.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it was also really really touching to see the scene with Grisha and Zeke at the end. It's it was one of the most like I think meaningful scenes in the whole show um and another scene that I think reinforces like the fact that the show is going to take the right stance on everything um but it's the scene where Grisha really sees Zeke he can sense that Zeke is there. And he apologizes and he says, I'm so sorry. I loved you. And I wish I had spent more time with you. Yeah. And sometimes that's just all you need to hear. Right. Because well, um, so much of Zeke's. Like
1: the, uh, the subtext of so and, and this has sort of been present in the show, but I'm glad that they made this like fully text. The subtext of so much of Zeke's shit is like my daddy abandoned me for this quest of Eldian liberation. And so now I hate the Eldians because the Eldians symbolize the thing that my daddy picked over me. Um, Mm -hmm. and then for him to confront that his dad like does is not comfortable with that choice and that that takes a toll on Grisha and like makes him like that. He's not sure about what he did and that he still has feelings at Zeke and that this isn't like a cold, like he cut Zeke off to go do this thing. Um, like challenges, like some of the fundamental, like psychoanalytic elements of Zeke's position in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really good because that's sort of that's sort of been implied throughout that like Zeke's thing is kind of a daddy problem. But like this show really makes that this episode really makes that text
2: in a way that I think is very compelling. Yeah, so uh, a lot of compelling drama between all three of these characters. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, in a in a, in a in a season where every single episode has been like jaw-dropping action and insane spectacle, like that feeling of spectacle was still in this episode, but it was like a lot more like text and drama based. Um, but I just... I, yeah, I, I fell in love with this episode. It really sucked me in. And though I agree with you about some of the the logical machinations being distancing, like I, I thought this was a really powerful episode of television. And you're right. It will become even better in the context of the whole show.
1: Yeah, I found it to be evocative and emotionally compelling. And I just think that like a lot of the stakes of those moments aren't going to be totally clear until the show is until, like we're an episode or two away. Um, and so,
2: so, afterthoughts, uh, so sorry, wait, you have one more thing.
1: Oh, just that, just that. I think that it, uh, just reiterating that. I think that a few episodes from now, we'll look back at this episode and see it as like a pretty solid right. Rosetta stone for a lot of the season. Um, yeah. but that until then, this episode is going to feel a little bit like not all the way done. Same as like the ending of
2: last episode. So one afterthought I have then is since, you know, now Zeke is realizing that Aaron might be doing something he doesn't want. Is there a world where Zeke is teaming up with some other heroes to fight Aaron again? And is like the Beast Titan getting back into this? And does this affect Beast Titan versus Levi matchup? I don't think so.
1: Um, If anything, I think what it might do is add a layer of tragedy to Beast Titan Levi matchup. Yeah. where Levi ends up killing the beast Titan at a moment when actually the beast Titan being around would be good. Um, yeah. I think something like that is possible. I think this opens up the door for Aaron eats Zeke as Zeke's ending being one that does make a little bit more sense. Although I still think I'd be happier if it was Levi, but this episode has, I think done a lot of also laying track to make that a possibility. I was like pretty hundo on Levi kills Zeke last week, but I think after this episode I think there's a lot more space for it to be thematically and dramatically
2: satisfying for Aaron to be the one to do it also. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, it was a time travel episode. Uh but it uh didn't fully suck. Yeah, no, I um I really I when the episode
1: started, I was like, why are we here? <laughs> like every single yeah. cool thing is happening in the fucking in the city like Gabby just shot Aaron's head off fucking Reiner's bleeding everywhere, trying to do a fight. The scouts are fighting the fucking car Titan. Falco's like transforming the jaw Titan. Probably like all this stuff is happening. And the show was just like, no, like that's for next week. We're doing this right now. And I like, I thought that was like a pretty audacious choice and I was pretty not into it initially. I thought it was sort of a, Rag like a mistake because of just how much juice they had going on, but
2: uh, yeah, a, then, a lot of my audience uh, on Chum room keeps being like, "Oh, what, so they what? What do you think about the Lady Ymir parts?" And I'm like, "They've barely explained her yet," which makes me worried. There's going to be a lot, lot, lot of lore there. It doesn't seem to me though that they would do that next episode. It I seems just, like next episode they have to be a little more active.
1: I think. I think they are going to do some of that explain next episode, though, because I think that next episode has got to start with like finally wrapping up this like Zeke Aaron time travel shit. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that has to include some of that. But I do think that that's going to I hope that they will really get through that fairly quickly and then snap us back to like the reality of whatever metaphysical outcome happens in the real world. And that becomes very active. Um, but I mean, look, sure. the show takes swings like it's totally possible. The next episode is just in the city. Well, stuff's happening and like Zeke's like tranced out or something. You know what I mean? Like there's all sort of ways it can go. So I'm, I'm not as, as certain as I have been before.
2: Um, but, I mean, still every single week, I'm like waiting all week for it. You know, they got me. They got me on the edge of my seat. <sighs> yeah, Totally. Um, so yeah, uh, respect, and uh, that was this talk on Titan. Yeah, that was a talk
1: of Titan, and we <laughs> fucking
2: media are... episode. Yeah, big episode,
1: great guest. We love to see Alec. Love to talk talk Titan. Love to see our Buzz. What a week for the game boys. Um, so you can check us out in various places. Um, but to find Haley, our extraordinary editor and producer, you can go on YouTube and Instagram at eat every sound to find Griffin. You can go on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis or twitch.tv slash to see the man stream. And for me, you can go to twitch.tv slash pixel goblins where Forrest and I stream uh, either EDF or Shin Megami Tensei on Wednesdays, uh, Final Fantasy on Fridays, and... A tactics game to be decided on a day to be decided in the future. Or you can find me on Twitter if you want to hear me complain at Tailboy. That's T A I L underscore B O I. Um, that's going it for us this week, though. So we'll see you guys later.
2: Goodbye. Bye.